Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. So I'm here with Arsion. And why don't you tell us what we're chatting about today? So I'm a 24-year-old male um, living with my mom against my will. I'm considered a ward of the state. Um, and that's due to the fact that when I was 18, I was declared incompetent by um, a judge. Effectively, what that means is that I do not have the legal right to do essentially anything um, that involves money or involves anything close to weapons. Um, because according to the state, I'm unable to manage my own life. And for six years, my life has been pretty much hell as a result. I, I have had uh, no ability to go to college or get any kind of um, f uh, further education. And I've been stuck in one place for a long time with somebody who I don't feel has my best interest. And yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Sounds like there's a real deep backstory behind all of this. So why, yeah. why don't you let me know? <laughs> you could say that. <clears throat> uh, you want, I'm guessing you want me to explain. <laughs> well, only one of us can. So yes. <laughs> so the story goes like this. Um, when I was about six years old, I was diagnosed with high functioning autism. And despite what some people might say, it is a very real disorder though there are people out there who would pretend that it they have it when they don't because, you know, um, people like to fake things to get free stuff. It's nothing abnormal. Um, and so I'm able to essentially function pretty highly in society. My biggest drawback is social skills. Um, but I grew up in a divorced household, in this shocker, with a mom um, who, once my father left, became very, very controlling and have very emotional and sporadic often. And I was usually on the receiving end of all of it. When I was growing up, the one thing I wanted more than anything in the world was to leave the home and join the military and specifically uh, special forces. This was my dream to be a Navy SEAL. And well, when I was about to join, um, when I was about to leave, I got um, forced to take a psyche eval and the problem with psyche valves isn't that there's anything wrong with them in particular. It's once you get to the court itself, the only people who have power in the courts are the lawyers and the judge. The psychologist has no power, and the likelihood that you can appeal one of these things is very low. So I was declared incompetent, and I have no legal rights to my own bank accounts, no legal rights to own a firearm. No legal rights to leave the country. The only legal right that they allowed me to have, this is going to make you laugh, by the way, is to vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's dark comedy, but I, I get the comedy. <laughs> I'm glad. So, yeah. Um, now, here's the thing. The reason why I'm contacting you now is a bit twofold. Number one, um, when I realized they probably couldn't join the military – Obviously, I uh, I decided I wanted to try politics, and so I started up my own YouTube channel under the name we've been calling me today, Arcyon, and it never really grew that big, but I enjoyed doing it. I always found it interesting how the world should be run. Well, um, I watched as a lot of the people I looked up to um, left. Lauren left um, and retired. Um, James Alsop was taken off of YouTube, so was Alex Jones, and a lot of movements that were started kind of ended 
then the bigger thing happened, which is that I am have a scheduled hearing soon enough to potentially terminate the guardianship. Although you've said this plenty of times on your show, it doesn't matter how good or bad a job the government does, they get your money anyway. So yeah, who knows if that's going to even help at all. And, uh, I really don't know where to go with my life. I once you turn 30, people stop giving you as much freedom or sorry, as much leeway, I should say. You know, they when you're in your 20s, people are very kind to you or they're they're more forgiving if you haven't got your life all together. But I'm 24. I don't have a whole lot of resources. I work a very low paying job. And my mother told me all automatically, I'm not going to help give you any money to go to any kind of schooling once this is all done. Hmm. And the likelihood is that she'll probably just kick me out of the house because we argued like cats and dogs for most of the, my tenure with her. So let's go back to the divorce. Mm-hmm. What was going on before what happened and, and what was the path afterwards? Well, that's where things get even more sticky. I have tried to tell, and I should also tell, I'm actually adopted from uh, Latin America originally. So these aren't even my biological parents, which makes it even more of a weirdness. But what I do know is essentially what my parents have kind of let out or alluded to. But they are very, very bad. or They, they just don't want to tell me. There well, was okay. definitely some How pe- old were you when they got divorced? I'd say, like, my father filed when I was two years old. Um, so they yeah. adopted a child and then decided to get divorced because, because well, it's important for, you know, an adopted kid to have zero stability in the household. Man, that's wretched. Yeah, I, I just want to wait for them to come out and say, sorry, it's just a prank, bro. You know, just find out when that happens. <laughs> and we do you, did you adopt up. any other kids? Do you have any siblings? I have a biological twin. He is severely mentally delayed. Yeah. A biological twin. Oh, so they adopted you and your biological twin, and he has mental uh, uh, delay, right? He literally cannot tie his own shoes. Yes. Man. And do do, do they know what happened? (sighs) To be honest, I don't. I think they know the diagnosis. They just don't. I just never really knew myself. But yeah, but it wasn't I, like an injury or like there was no, no trauma no. that you know of, right? It was just no, it was bad, ge- bad roll of the genetic dice, right? Yeah, I mean we're both Latino, but we're both tall, so there's some good in there. <laughs> right. Depending how you look at it. But yeah, um, from what my parents have alluded to, what they'll allow me to know, there was some cheating. That happened. I, I, they won't say who or what, and I think I can probably figure out what it is. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot else. But I can that they've told me. But I know there's more. I know there's something to do with finances and family and extended family. So I don't know the full story. Wow. Okay. Did they know that your brother had mental handicaps when they adopted him? <laughs> we were literally only a few weeks old when it first happened, and we were brought here uh, at a, around six months old. And then we were checked out by a doctor, and that's when the doctor said, there's something wrong with these two. Um, oh, but both they said, of you, right? So he picked up on something to do with you and, and certainly, I guess, some, something much more severe to do with your brother? Uh-huh. And so the doctor was examining you prior to your parents adopting you, is that right? 
No, no, no. This is when we were already in the States. Oh, so they adopted you. And then at six months, you went to see a doctor and the doctor said something's not going right, right? Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, so then do you have any, I mean, this is obviously six months too early to have any memories. Do you have any memories of sort of around the two-ish or, or three-ish during the, the whole divorce situation? I remember screaming at the woman who would later become my stepmother. And I remember throwing something that missed her head. Oh, because... so your dad's mistress or girlfriend, is that right? <laughs> yep. Who is now his wife. Oh, so that lasted. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yes. Uh, the, the marriage between my uh, stepmother and my father. Though from the timeline, I think my mom cheated on my dad first. And that sparks, you know, the, you know, every force has an equal and opposite reaction. You know, every action has that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. fun. So you, your parents split up and you were around two. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to guess that it was not the most amicable of <laughs> splits. Is that, is that a fair way to characterize it? <laughs> I'd say you, you basically split the arrow down the middle. It was not pretty at all. Right. Um, and after it calmed down, it was a lot of where you're um, North Korea, I'm South Korea. We're never going to talk. <sighs> yeah. So the whole co-parenting thing didn't exactly shake out the way it should. <laughs> that seems to actually be the only thing they didn't screw up. I'm going to be honest. They stuck to the schedule really, really well. With that being said, that doesn't mean they were friends the entire way through. They were very spiteful to each other. And when it comes to anything that was beyond the set schedule for the week, it was a nightmare. And I usually got stuck with all of it. So tell me what was the nightmare and what sort of situations like what would, would occur? So let's say that, I don't know, I wanted to stay over at a friend's house and it was just like a day before I would go over to the next house. Well, my mom would try to get at my dad somehow. He, she would try to, like one time, remember, she called him and told him that he likes hanging out with his friends when he's over here. And there's a reason why he doesn't do it when he's over at your house. So of course, in the stupid crap drama starting. And so they and so uh, the logistics for getting over there um, might change in a heartbeat. I might hate to be told I can't go over because it's a school night, or I would be told something a little bit worse, which is that no one's going to pick you up in the morning and I'd have to walk home. I'm not even kidding. Hmm. I would literally walk the equivalent of three miles in the middle of winter. Wow. Okay. All right. And it's a rule. That's the, that's even the yeah. So yeah. So. Your dad had a mistress, I guess, probably overlapping with the divorce. And what happened with your mom? She went crazy. Um, not clinically, although I'm sure you could find something. But she basically became very, very possessive and um, impulsive. I remember when I was 17, it was Christmas, and I was a, I'm was i a huge Breaking Benjamin fan. I've seen their concerts twice. Breaking um, Benjamin? It's a it's a it's a hard rock band out of Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. Okay, sorry, I should have given that context. But anyway, she bought me a CD. I'm like, oh wow, this is the first time she really 
listen to something I actually cared about, you know, because usually she she wouldn't pay much attention. And so I remember opening it. Then me and my brother were kind of getting into not even an argument, just a disagreement about what video game to play on our PlayStation uh, next. And she wanted drama, so she started yelling, stop arguing, and we're telling her nothing's happening. She gets upset, and then she chucks the CD at my head and misses, and it breaks behind the wall. It breaks on the wall? It, it, it hits the wall behind me. Okay, got it, got it. Wait, so, so your brother could play video games, though? <laughs> His disorders are very strange in that he doesn't. he'll just know how to press buttons and kind of know that pressing this button causes this effect. That's about it. Hmm. So, you know, he can speak... English and just articulate. I'm hungry. I, um, where are you going? Nothing more advanced than that. All right. So he can do sort of like the jumpy, platformy, Twitch style games. <laughs> oh, you you want my brother to become a Twitch streamer? <laughs> no, no. I'm just I'm just trying to sort of. I mean, I guess you know, not not so much Skyrim, but more like uh, uh, the Luigi games, right? The the just sort of platformy kind of games. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never played Skyrim. I'm more of an Uncharted fan. And if you're into, you know, adventure, I'm sure you'd love Uncharted. It's kind of like Indiana Jones. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she threw the CD and it broke on the wall behind you, right? Mm-hmm. Did she end up getting into another relationship with a man after the divorce? She she did. It was quite a few years afterward. Uh, a few years afterward. She never remarried. And she worked... She, single mothers are known to do this, and this was the case, same as my case. She works part time, which you know it's just under forty hours, and then um, surprisingly, she never took welfare. Um, but she would work part time, but her boyfriend would work full time as a tool and die guy. So he would do like plastic uh, molds and things like that. He was using usually going from forty to sixty hours a week. So. And she saw him about once every other week. Oh, so it was like a real intermittent kind of dating <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, they they were definitely dating, you know. But it was but when I but although intimate, well, first off, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> but um, they 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 had enough of a relationship to to warrant boyfriend and girlfriend. I they never got close enough where they would ever move in or anything. And did he have, spend any time around you and your brother? He did. He, I want to say this, he was not a bad guy, but my mom was a ball of crazy. So was it what crazy? A ball of crazy. A ball of crazy. All right. And, and in what way? In that she was kind of, she was pretty impulsive at times um, when it came to um, how she talked to us. And usually whenever I would say, okay, I've had enough, I'm going in this room, I'm locking the door and I don't want to hear your voice. She would then tell her boyfriend that I was threatening her, even if I wasn't, to get her away. And what would happen then? The guy really, usually he'd pound on the door, and usually um, twice the cops got called. And when there was no evidence of anything, they walked away. They literally know who we are. They, 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 the cops know us here. And it just got crazier because... She realized I have a very rebellious attitude. I'm not aggressive, but I'm definitely not someone who likes to be pushed around. Um, it's part of the reason why I'm conservative in the first place. You know, I just don't believe people just because they tell me things. 
So the the less control she had over me, because I was considered the real man in the house since my mom, since my brother was, uh, you know, heavily delayed, the more angry she would get. Her boyfriend started to kind of realize that she would sometimes use him to get her way. But he's still stuck around. He's been through divorce as well. He has a steps uh, child himself. It's just not a good situation. And he's stuck around, like he's still around. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And here's the thing that's going to probably blow your mind. The only there's only two people on my dad's side of the family out of eight that have been married that didn't divorce. Wow. It's something I've lived with, and it's part of the reason why I consider myself traditional. I don't want, I want to have kids someday, and I do not want to put them through that. Oh, God, no. No, no, I mean, I get that. I get that pendulum needs to swing way the hell the other direction from the <laughs> stuff to actually stick it out, right? I'm with that. I'm with that. All right. Okay, and what was it like for you, I guess, growing up with your twin, with your mom, with this slightly distant boyfriend situation and in school and all that how did that play out for you oh it was uh it was hell um in heaven it was oftentimes it really depended on the day i'll, I'll say this um it, it really taught me a lot about valuing the people who do mean something to me my friends were like extended family and my extended family despite having their own problems were a few notches of crazy down from 11, so they were not much more understanding with me. They oftentimes were the people I'd go to. And, of course, I did have the one uncle who didn't get married who we all know this uncle. He's the kind of guy who likes to go out shooting things and um, doing dangerous stunts and will say things that no one else in the family could say. It's funny and it's also kind of true. <laughs> I love that, dude. <laughs> we all know that kind of the crazy uncle that says what he wants and uh, because he's not tied to anybody, he doesn't have to worry about getting in trouble. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was the the hell part? The what hell parts? part. The hell part was stability of any kind. Um, this is probably one of the most painful things I remember from my childhood. Um, I knew that eventually, even if I did join the military, eventually I would leave. Um, of course I never actually went in and what was I going to do after that? I thought, you know what? I want to be a businessman. And I thought I would like to do something that saves lives. I thought, what about all the people who are injured in the world who have problems with their nervous system? What if I invented something like that? So I wanted to go to a school, don't want to name the school. Um, that was for, for biomechanical engineering. I, and I actually had pretty good math scores. I probably could have gone in. My mom told me to my face on my birthday in front of my friends when I was 15, you probably shouldn't go. They don't let stupid people in. Wow. And where, where do you think that comes from in your mom, this, this put-down stuff? Loneliness. I think she needed me to feel like I had to stay at home. Oh, so she's crippling you getting out of the house so that she doesn't have to deal with your brother alone? Uh huh. It's, I think it's edible. I think it's eatable in a, in a sense. Go on. Uh, you know the Oedipal complex. You know uh, the, the Oedipus story. You yeah. know, um, 
guy sleeps with his mother, finds out too late, blinds well, he, himself. He kills, his, he kills his father and sleeps with his mother, though he doesn't know either at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, still, it's pretty messed up either way. <laughs> but the whole point of that story was, you know, if the mother gets too close and doesn't set enough boundaries, it really messes people up. And I remember when I was a kid, um, I always asked my mom, why don't you let me have a lock on my door? She said, well, it's my house. And I thought, OK, that makes sense. But she also had a key to the bathroom door. And I asked her one day, she said, Ed, um, I don't trust you. I thought to myself, wait, that's the bathroom. You're telling me you can't trust me to take a... You're going to take a dump in the shower or something? Or <laughs> touch yourself as a teenager? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, no. And now I'm going to be smoking reefer. And that's the stuff of the devil. Hairy palms. <laughs> Straight up, baby. Wow. Okay, so you know, a little a little on the intrusive side. Oh, I pretty much had nothing I could do without her knowing. And I found ways around that, of course, because of course I'm going to find ways. But yeah, boundaries were not set well. Okay, and how much work is your brother? Uh, <laughs> I'll give my mom this. She didn't kill him. He can be quite a bit. He actually ended up at one point bringing a knife to school when I graduated and he was still there because he was upset that I was gone. Right. He wasn't living in the same house at the time, by the way. I should mention that. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, that's an extreme example, but on a day-to-day -day basis? On a day-to-day -day basis, he begs a lot. Um, like, he'd say, can I have this? Can I have that? Repeated leave. Um, he gets excited by everything and not always in a good way. Overall, he was a, he definitely was a handful, but he was never malicious, you know. Right. He, Impulsive, I suppose, right? impulsive and i would go so far as to say um just didn't know a lot about how to live and be normal but he's he's definitely like a, a full-time job isn't he oh absolutely I, I like i said you know like i said i give credit for my mom for not killing him not because i would but my family well, situation you, is you can you can go and 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 have your life and she is going to be tending to him until her old age right and then she's got to find someone else to do it Oh, no, not now, not anymore, because he lives in a home where other people do it. Oh, okay. So that's basically he's on the taxpayer dime for the next 60 years, right? Yeah. And like you said, I mean, I've, I don't know how things go down there, but I've heard bad stories from there from time to time. And as you've said before, it doesn't matter whether they do a good job or a bad job. They get your money anyway. So who cares, right? Right. But I mean, she does she take him home from time to time, uh, visits and all? <laughs> About every other week, so okay. same amount of time she sees her boyfriend. Like the week she doesn't see her boyfriend, she sees him. And how long has he been there? <laughs> Since he was 21. Okay, okay, got it. He's 24 now. I, no, I get it. I get he's a twin. <laughs> I can do the math. Oh, oh, All right. right. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> wow. And w do you have any relationship with him? I mean, it's kind of tough, I guess. It's completely strained, very strained, or very real, but strained. Because he looks like you, right? I mean, there's that genetic similarity. Uh, <laughs> Define look by me, like me, same hair color, same skin tone, jawline is completely different. Ah. Um, 
head is kind of different. You can physically tell he's disabled. Oh, okay, okay. My autism doesn't manifest physically. Right, okay. Okay, all right. Now, you said that school was also hellish, if I remember rightly, and how did that show up? So, here's the thing. Um, we are social animals, and let's be honest, we don't have a lot of the advantages that other animals have. We can't see at night, we don't have big claws. So the one thing that puts us above the animal kingdom is our intellect and our ability to socialize. Well, now imagine having a disorder that is designed to make social skills, body language, eye contact, all these things really, really hard. And then put yourself in an environment where there's tons of girls going finishing puberty and tons of guys just starting it up. You know, you can just imagine how bad that would be. Right. Uh, well, sorry, I'm still listening. I, uh, you were you were mid sentence. Please go on. Sorry. Basically, uh, being able to socialize with anybody was kind of a. It, it was you have better chances at hitting black all the way through at the slots, not the slots. The whatever you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of unpredictability, a lot of pain, and the worst part was that most of the time I wasn't told this is how you can learn body language. People would say things like, oh, how do I talk to people? She said, they'd say, just be yourself. <laughs> Stupid information that never works. Well, it's, I mean, if you don't know the language, it's like, how do I learn French? <laughs> just be yourself. It's like, uh, it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. Je ne sais pas. <laughs> that literally means I don't know. And that's the only thing I know in French. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, I, I, the only way I was able to succeed in my, the future is I actually bought a book, and I recommend that anyone with autism read this. It's called What Every Body, two separate words, is saying by Joe Navarro, who's an ex-FBI agent. He did a really good job breaking down body language. Um, but even then, I still struggle. But it, it's a lot better now. I've actually had a girlfriend after high school in the past. Oh, God, i got to turn off this. Now, when did the diagnosis settle on your shoulders when i was about six is when the diagnosis was there uh yeah and what was the behavior do you know the behavior that caused you to be diagnosed at all lack of eye contact um oftentimes not picking up on social cues um they would give me a task and they'd see which one i was into when i got into one and they would see if they could pull me away from it for something important or you know something i need to pay attention to and i would give like angry and upset that I couldn't let go of at a task. And oftentimes I would ask, like, you know, like, um, why, why are you pulling me away from this? Yeah. Classic okay. syndrome. Yeah. And do you agree with what the diagnosis is? I do. I just don't believe that I am low-functioning enough where I can't find ways to fix the symptoms. It's not, it's not a curable disorder, but I mean, I think I can address the symptoms and how they affect me. Okay, so I know we're doing a bit of a fast forward here, but from six, so then you applied for special forces when you were 17 or 18. And tell me about that process and, and how that shook out with you <laughs> losing your independence. So I never applied for spec ops. What I meant is that I wanted to, and I applied for the military. So at 17, I put in my, um, papers from the ASVAB. 
And they said, you do, you're doing pretty good at this. You know, you just gotta, you know, um, be willing to obey authority. And, you know, I was a little rebellious, but I could figure a way to shut my mouth. And, you know, I just don't, I just don't like being told stupid things by my very Marxist teachers in high school. Um, so, but yeah, um, so I applied and they said, this is pretty good. You'd have to sign a waiver to do it at 17. I was like, okay, there's no way my mom's going to say yes to that. <laughs> but she knew of your ambition, right? Oh, she hated the fact that I wanted to leave. She wanted me there. She wanted me home. So, but anyway, they said you could potentially join special forces, but you would have to, uh, the way the U.S. military works is you have to join the regular forces and then you have to apply for another boot camp. And every branch of the U.S. military has at least one spec ops group. So I would have to wait till I was 18. And that's when the screwing came in. I got wait, screwed. Sorry, for... you'd still be in the military, but you'd have to wait to apply to spec ops till you were 18, right? Well, I wasn't officially in. You have to actually go to basic. And no, pass no, basic. sorry. What I mean is if you were accepted in, then a year later you could go, or when you were 18 you could apply to special ops, right? Yes. Okay, got they, it. They might do some small testing here and there just to make sure nothing changed, but yeah, basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you go home and you need your mom's signature because you're 17, right? Yeah, but I know um, she's not going to give it to me, so I don't even ask. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, I was thinking ahead. I just wanted to see if I just was really antsy to go. So I was like, let's just put in the papers and see what they say. Okay, so then what? So, so well, let's, we guys were going to have to fast forward to when I turned 18. And when um, um, an officer came to my house and said, the court wants you to appear at this um, facility to get a psyche valve. Um, okay, now, going... sorry, where did that come from? Because you hadn't officially applied as yet. Is that right? Um, I had, oh, well, no, no, no. This isn't for the military. This is this is something that was ordered by my mother through the court. She said that I needed to be tested to see if I was competent. And why? So there's, there's sort of two questions about why she would do that. Number one is some immediate behavior that, that, she was concerned about or whatever the other is you know the sort of deep-seated maybe possessive or eatable stuff or just keep keep you around stuff because she's lonely but what was like the surface reason right like like you can't go to the court and say i need you to take away my son's independence because i'm lonely right like the court will just say like okay we can't help you with that right so but what was it that she used to convince the court that you were deserving of this or needed this eval well first off i'd like to kind of set the scene and that the court's in the United States, as I said, it's only the lawyers and the judges who have any power. And they are incentivized to find people incompetent because let's say they don't find someone incompetent or they give a partial guardianship. This means that you have some rights and freedoms, but not all of them. Um, if the judge gets that wrong and you come back to court, the judge could be liable if you did something bad that caused you to have to come back. So oh, yeah, there's no, there's no payment. Sorry, there's no liability for a false positive, really. But there are huge liabilities for a false negative, right? Like if, the, if you are, yeah. but they say you're not, and then you do something bad, they're in trouble. But if you're not, and they say you are, they're mostly off the hook, right? Yep. And of course, there's no, there's no, there's, there's no, hey, you didn't screw up. Here's, here's a thousand dollars. Right, right. Okay. So you but what was it in your behavior that your mother... I mean, your mother went to the court and said, he needs this. And was it just because of your prior diagnosis of autism or was there something else? That 
it was kind of the bedrock, but the big thing that they said was that I had um, gone to arguments with other kids in my school. Um, and I guess I should set the scene for that, too, because my school had the dumb rule of if someone is beating the crap out of you, if you fight back, you also get in trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gynocentric, uh, no justice scenario, right? Everyone needs to just be nice and kiss each other. Mommy doesn't like this. Right. Okay. You know, that's so basically... you got into fights or you were aggressed against that way. Oh, I was aggressed against. I never actually threw a strike. Neither did they. But they would put their hands on my chest, you know, and like um, threatened to hit me. And I would bet I would say, I'm going to uh, beat the shit out of you, you know, but nobody would actually throw a punch because we both know what that meant. In fact, the only kids who didn't were the kids from the inner city who came to my school and most of them were actually better behaved than a lot of the these white liberal kids that were going to my school and wanted to be black. Hmm. Okay, so it wasn't so much, it was a lot of verbal sparring, but not a lot of fist fighting, right? It was, yeah, it's basically the, uh, it's basically North Korea going, I want to blow you up! And of course they never do. Right, okay. <laughs> a lot of that, a lot of posturing. Right, right, okay. So you got in, now were you picked on as the slightly oddball kid or, or how did that work? Uh, it's, it, I'll say this, once I got into a beef with somebody, then, then it would happen, but it wasn't like people would just randomly do it. You know, it's not like the, those stupid hallmark high school movies about the awkward kid or whatever, you know, that somehow gets the hot cheerleader by the end. It wasn't like that. It was, um, it was more like anytime I did something, I had a, it was, it was kind of a slot machine as to whether or not I would be laughed at for how stupid I looked, even if I thought it was completely innocuous. And when it came to people wanting to socialize with me and wanting to be not, wanting to talk to me, I was essentially ostracized. Most people weren't mean. Most of them just didn't want anything to do with me. Right. Okay. Okay. And of course, your sex drive doesn't know anything about your diagnosis, right? So you want girlfriends, <laughs> you want that and that feeling that it's far away and all these... unattainable. I mean, that's got to be very frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm watching all these girls finish their puberty while mine is starting. My engine's roaring and, no, and the car is not starting. So, you know, the car is not moving. So, yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Did your mother or your school or your teachers get you into any kind of program to help you with the symptoms sometimes sometimes not uh there were two years in middle school where i was actually allowed to have social skills classes and then they just cut it because they wanted to build a new soccer field oh okay so the the, the program was cut right yep and and when they thought about reviving it um in high school well, I mean, I, the, the high school, they really need it, a larger pool, so they, they couldn't do it. I'm sorry. Right, okay, okay. Now, how do you feel about all of this stuff? I mean, you, you're telling me the story, and I can get some sense of frustration, but as far as the emotionality goes, I'm not quite with you yet, brother. What? I mean, as far as connecting. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, No, no, don't I, apologize. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just want to let you know about that. So... You can sort of understand what it's like on on my side of the uh, of the show. Oh, I became a huge Nirvana fan throughout high school. That should tell you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Allison Chains, let's crank it. You know, but um, yeah, 
I'm sorry. I'm lashing. <laughs> I'm not going to Kurt Cobain myself, so don't worry. <laughs> well, I think as long as you're not involved with uh, heroin and heroin. Uh, uh, Courtney Love, you're probably okay. <laughs> I think Courtney Love is enough by herself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> but anyway, um, I do remember there were several nights that I did cry myself to sleep. Um, I, I have had very depressing moments where I felt that life had no meaning. I'm a Catholic and I went atheist for about two years and came back when I was about 14 to the church. And I actually think it was a good thing because when I came back, I understood why I was coming back. I really actually cared about what I was listening to. Um, although I will say I don't like how the church is acting nowadays, but, um, even then I constantly questioned if Christ was real. I constantly said that, no, either Christ is real or I'm just a piece of flesh looking for a next dopamine hit. And I also, I was in cross country, uh, throughout high school, four years solid, but when cross country ended, I had a huge problem with sugar and a huge problem with food. And I still have a little bit of it and much better, but it was now, my life. How did that, how did that show up the, the sugar thing? Oh, basically my mother wasn't home much. So, you know, the fridge was wide open and well, you can connect the dots. <laughs> well, but I mean, she knew that you had an issue with sugar and she just still had that crap in the house. She just didn't care because it's cheap. It's cheap. <laughs> Well, and, and you know, you're not complaining. And I guess, does, does your brother also, I mean, you said he, he wants things, and, and I assume that the sugar is part of that as yes. well. Yes, and a lot of fried food. A lot of fried food. Uh-huh. Okay, maybe that's <laughs> why became... the two lines different. But... <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'll say this. My brother also had a high metabolism, so nobody saw anything. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, uh, but also porn. Because, I mean, I'm a high school student who can't get laid, can't talk to any, any girls because I don't know how to, and I'm fit. I'm just halfway through puberty while they just finished. I mean, yeah. So did you gain weight even though you were on cross-country because of the sugar? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot. Um, I think my heaviest was 267 um, um, pounds, not um, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's on a six foot guy. It's, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not small, but no, that's, uh, that's heavy. I mean, I got up to two, a little over 220. I'm just under six foot. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was lumpy. That yeah, was but lumpy. You got a nice, yeah, but you got a nice jawline. So who cares? Your well, face... no, that's, I didn't back then. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm down over 30 pounds now, uh, from there, but, um, yeah, no, it it, uh, it definitely, I mean, so I'm thinking about another 30, so 40, uh, 40 uh, pounds off that. That's uh, that's rough. Yeah, it, it was. I'll but say you, this, can, you uh, can't do cross country at 267, right? Oh, no, no, no. See, I was burning pretty hard. I also gained some muscle and people said I was the tank. Uh, <laughs> what that means, even though I'm not in football and I'm running, I'm running in a, in a, I'm, I'm running over ob- obstacles, you know, well, not, not obstacles, but over paths. So I'm, it's not a contact sport. We went on plenty of, um, for those who don't know, cross country is about distance. 
track is about speed. Um, so our tracks that we would go on were oftentimes long trails that we would jog run. And some of these trails had like hills that were just, oh my God, you can't go up on a bike, but we went up them anyway. Oh and, no. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, brother. I did cross country for a couple of years Oh, and uh, yeah, it's it's monstrous. And I, I do remember one sometimes like if it's rained or whatever, it might be raining during I mean, <sighs> there, there were people who like lost shoes in the mud and they'd have to oh, come my. back later and try and find them because they'd be so ambitious. They would try and finish the trails just in their socks. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, Hell. it can be a real monster fest. Uh, the oh, the yeah. cross country stuff. So, so you're, I'm guessing you were in Canada at the time because, you know, you yes. Were Okay, so um, as someone who also comes from, I'm not going to say where, but uh, northern area, um, uh, did you ever have the time where it suddenly either rained or got super cold during during the fall and people found out too late? <laughs> oh, it, Just, it could happen. Uh, it could happen on the run itself. Oh, you, you I love get that. some sudden cold snap, and like your your nipples are hard, and your armpits are freezing, and, uh, and you're, you're crunching along on half mud, half ice. Uh, oh no, it, it really does. Like as far, it feels like a hell of a boot camp. It really does. And so, basically, yeah, I uh, I sympathize with all of that for sure. That was my intro to what what basic training would have been. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's rough and it's harsh. And at some point, you're like, wouldn't wouldn't people pay a lot of money to not do this? Why the hell am I doing it for free? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we gotta gotta attract those girls who are always into the football players and not you. So, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You want to be that skinny two dimensional nerd frame of infinite speed, right? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can run away from the from the from the, from them when they try to put you in the locker. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, we used to we used to do to go up and down hills just to strengthen like crazy. Oh, I remember that. I used to I used to try and solve computer like I would get it would be so unpleasant. I would I would try and get to my Zen place by solving computer problems when I was doing these up and down hills things because you just you couldn't be in your own body when you're pounding the the, oh, the pavement know. that hard. Yeah, and you know, so I would trust solve I would try and solve abstract problems. There was an old video game called Berserk, and I remember thinking, okay, well, how would I have the robots shoot at the player if I was programming this game? And this is the only way you could kind of do it was to just find yeah. something to abstract yourself from your own physical pain. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would do something a little bit different. I'm much more mechanical than I am, like you know, like uh, computer nerd. That's that's my that's my friend who who's more into. He's actually going to a college for software engineering. He's almost done, although he has pretty much no more money. <laughs> um, yeah, but when I was going up those, oh, I remember that you bring back a lot of good memories, my friend, because we would all be like, this sucks going up the hill, but then we go down the hill and it's just like a roller coaster. We're like, yes. <laughs> Right, and, right. and so what I would be thinking about is the physics of it. And I'd be thinking about like, what kind of terrain are we going over? Are we going over um, grass? So how many microfibers would have to line up with fibers in the ground to get enough friction to pull up? And at what angle would um, I be, would enough force be able to be projected onto the ground to not cause um, a break in the soil, but at the same time propel you forward? It, I was weird like that. No, I mean, it's what you do. I mean, there was no point just sitting there saying, well, my lungs are burning and my legs are burning and my <laughs> muscles are all dying on me like a bunch of eels being clubbed to death on my bones. <laughs> so you might as well do something abstract while you're out there and you can get kind of zen off that. Yeah. I remember ran, I ran uh, 20 miles when I was working up north uh, and uh, y y you can get, you, you know, at the beginning, it's like, there's no way I'm going to do this. Then you just get into this rhythm and you could just keep going and you could just keep going and... Uh, 
it's uh it, it does get to be kind of like a zen horse riding mechanical thing when you're running for a long period of time but uh, anyway let's yeah, let's stay on with with your story about so right. you you uh you you turn 18 and your mom wants to get you evaluated right yep so she does right she gets you evaluated and what is the process of that how does that play out so basically um cop shows up my house tells me to when to show up and I do it. I go to. Um, I actually go to a site, I, a, an actual cl- clinic, rather than the courthouse. Although you, sometimes you can be evaluated at the courthouse if they just want to meet you there, and they ask you questions. A lot of them are really weird, so I didn't know how to answer them. But well, I like what? Them. What kind of questions would you get? So they'd say, and I figured out what it was later on. So they would want to uh, see if you can understand abstract thoughts. So they say, a banana and a burger are the same. How a um, a horse and a motorcycle are the same how. Oh, so a, like eating and mobility or riding or whatever, like yes. that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So they wanted to see how quickly you could answer those. And I um, assume you did pretty well on that as Mr. Abstract Guy, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, dude, I was thinking, I was thinking about, oh, so what are the, what are the, um, what are actually the um, physical differences in like structure when it comes to sugars um, and proteins in those things when they said that? I'm like, no, wait, focus, focus, get back to the valuation. It's a, yeah, dumb it down, <laughs> just give the simplest possible answer that, that bridges these things, right? Yes, sh- yes. Sh- shut up, autistic brain. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it was my autism that made me like that. Um, but yeah, so they would do that. Then they would ask me, you know, what my life is like. And ba- and I didn't know, you should probably not say anything too crazy about yourself. But I would tell them, yeah, sometimes I'd wake up at night um, um, out of breath because I'd have a nightmare about my mom. So. <laughs> well, as you say, you I assume you said you've been fighting basically in the six years since 18 to 24. But I assume you were fighting back then because you know there's no desperate pitched battles like a single mom and a son man those those are just thermonuclear usually and and they're bloody endless too i mean i mean hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn well it's even worse when she's your mom and she has power over you well and it's even worse if she believes she's entitled to a magical patriarchal respect despite acting like a hysterical something something uh, over you right i mean i remember my mom she used to just be enraged enraged that she just didn't get the respect that other people did and it's like i gotta be honest you you, you earn really it you earn it you, you earn the you earn the contempt you know honestly you know honestly i think it's probably because when they're younger they they're hot so they get the respect and i'll get and actually i just want to mention this um because lauren southern retired uh i want to give her a lot of um respect for doing borderless because that was a true that was her way of saying i'm not just a pretty face i can do i can do cool stuff i can make something really great so credit to her i hope she's doing well anyway but yeah you get but you know i mean like when you're young you know every guy's thinking with their penis and you some of them don't grow out of that princess mentality right now it does when like a woman who gets attention from her looks your your son doesn't care about that, obviously, right? And yeah, so others. you're looking for qualities of character, stability of maturity, and and wisdom, and and all of that sort of stuff. And you you can't be you know feminine wiles kind of thing. Like you can't be wild by your mom. At least I bloody well hope not. Right? I mean, pretty bad if you were, right? <laughs> yeah. So all of the sort of little kind of cliched bat your eyelids tricks that women can pull on men. Moms can't pull on their sons, and that hollowed out lack of 
respect or lack of deference is probably the better way. So men will defer to women because, you know, I, I remember dating a woman mm-hmm. and she informed me with all due seriousness that uh, she had psychic abilities. You know, she, she really, <laughs> she had psychic abilities and... And, I mean, she was, man, she was really good looking, right? And, of course, you know, she sailed through her life muttering this nonsense. And, you know, guys are like, well, you're pretty, so sure, you got psychic abilities. Can we go to bed yet? <laughs> right? And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, the uh, the amazing Randy's had a million dollar, U.S., a million dollar prize for anyone who can prove psychic abilities. So, you know, we you should, I mean, you should really cash in on that. A million bucks would go down pretty sweet, right? I mean, it's like 1.3 million Canadian or something, right? Uh, and, of course, immediately you get, well, it doesn't work that way. And I'm like, well, you you got the first three words, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, but, but so all of the deference that men are going to have for attractive women don't, don't happen with sons to mothers. And you see your mother for who she is rather than for the uh, physical attraction she may have to other men. And so you're kind of on the inside of the bullshit exterior. And what yeah. you see there is is really quite the opposite of pretty. And then you grow up with a deep appreciation of just how stupid men get around pretty girls, yeah. right? Because, you know, my, oh. your mom was pretty, it sounds like. My mom was very pretty. And so this is why, you know, when I... It took me a ridiculous amount of time to learn this, but that's, you know, I forgive myself because there's biology and then there's a really corrupt culture that doesn't instruct men about this kind of stuff but when you've been on the inside of a pretty girl's shell and you've seen a pretty woman's shell and you see the actual mechanics of the personality underneath uh wow boy there's a whole lot of not pretty going on and then knowing the way that she is and seeing all these guys floating around these thirsty betas and all that floating around Mm -hmm. like wanting dates and stuff and you're like oh man are we ever a pitiful sex are we ever a pitiful sex wildly (laughs) out of control of our steerage and uh it's uh it's a pretty (laughs) eye-opening situation to be in and then of course like all people who are exposed to this kind of dark wisdom i'm then like oh she's pretty (laughs) like it's just ridiculous (laughs) how long it takes to connect these two cables together and get a little jolt of maturity well, you know, I think, well, I don't know if you've heard of this, though, but also let's extend that to what happens afterward when women can still um, hit the gym hard enough where their butt sticks out and their breasts don't sag that much. Um, and they're they're the MILF. They are the uh, the the hot ticket for tonight. They find out that, yeah, a lot of guys still want them, especially when they get to that MILF category a lot. I, I've noticed a lot of guys my age want them. And they want them for the night, and then they're gone. And women are surprised because they used to be able to have it where I don't have to even go to the gym. I just need to not get fat, and I will have marriage material on me. Now they're a bang and dump. And well, that's- it's it's a it's a sad situation because it's like. They're the exercise bicycle, but they want to be taken on the Tour de France. And you don't take your exercise bike on the Tour de France. That's just for practice, man. You You just don't do it. All right. So I guess so when your mom's looks faded and you saw what's on the other side of this hypergamy addiction that then decays, uh, that's pretty rough. So so anyway, let's get back to the test. So you did some of these kind of tests. What what else was going on? I mean, I guess just as like a a face-to-face sit down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That well, why am I saying it like I'm not sure? Yes, that's a, that's the answer. Yes, it was. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm acting like I don't know. Yeah, I guess and it do, was. Do, so, how long did this process go on for? This is testing. About an hour. 
One hour. One hour for your future. I know, but hey, the state can't make mistakes, Stefan. Don't you know that? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Okay, so you, you, you had an hour, soup to nuts, like start to end, you had an hour that determined whether you could actually become an adult. Yep. <laughs> okay, and do you know if you were close, whether like, well, you know, we're going to err on the side of caution or like, no way, man, we're, we're going to lock you up forever. He said... He said, I have average intelligence and there's nothing special or high quality about me, which is his way of saying, you're not that stupid. All right. So, and, and he also, the doctor um, also said, he doesn't think I should do it. I should have complete control over my bank account. But he says that when it comes to everything else, I would be fine. But he also knew that, you know, it's really the judge that makes the decision. And the there are, I think, I believe there are appellate courts. But with that being said, the likelihood you're going to get to one of them is not. What, you mean appellate courts like an appeal? You can, uh, yes. Oh, you, so you can, the judge will decide and then you can I appeal think, the ruling, right? I think. Was I there think. anything aggressive, do you think, in your mother doing this? In other words, do you think that, that she was just trying to keep you home? Or do you think there was any, I mean, it's hard to say, looking on the outside. Was there any cause that she might have that could be legitimate to say you shouldn't be turned loose yet? Um, I was very emotionally in pain a lot. And she probably only saw the pain. She didn't see the why. You know, people, it's easy to, to, to say, hey, it's tears. It's hard to say, why are they coming out? And she probably had a hard time admitting that it could be her. Right. And what would you guys fight about? Um... So one thing that's nice is, and this is part of the reason why I'm not an anti-white kind of immigrant, um, we never fought about race. Thank God that was not on the table because that could get pretty dark. She's white, right? Um, My whole family that adopted me is of Dutch descendants on my dad's side and on my mom's, it's Irish. Oh, so like, not like cool Spanish white, but like seriously northern Javex white, right? Like, oh, like, like the sun Aryan, makes you explode Aryan vampire white. white. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like if you have a red, like, like half these people couldn't be a, a roofer in August. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, a friend of mine who was Irish tried doing that job, lasted about two days, and then uh, uh, basically had to have his his uh, epidermis scraped off with a spatula. All right. So uh, okay, so nothing about race. Good, good. And yep. um, I will uh, say, I what else your- though? I did see your talk with Jared Taylor, so uh, I might have questions about that, but that's beside the point. Mm. Um, which, by the way, good job. Uh, um, yeah, it's but, funny, you know. I, I mean, yeah, I had a conversation with Jared Taylor, and suddenly we're apparently twins, even though <laughs> I, have a con- I have a conversation with uh, Noam Chomsky, and I guess I'm now a linguistics professor at MIT or something like and that. You like but communism too. You now know, we're because, twins, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, if you and next, if you talk to, um, if you talk to, say, uh, the Hodge twins or um, that other woke black guy um um you the know other woke black guy i think there's more than one <laughs> well, yeah. quite a few but anyway, go the, you know the one guy no, no. anyway let, let's let's move let's move on from silly silly slander and not not yours of course but other people's uh right, right. so you didn't fight about race but but was it like you was... trying to become your own person and your mom is holding that back yeah um i'd say I was a black sheep in my family hard. I am darker than everybody else. I'm light enough where I could pass for Southern European, like Sicilian, even though I don't know my full black background, probably some European. Um, I was autistic. 
and I lived with the craziest of the crazy in the in my in the family um, of all the moms. And all the moms were a little bit off kilter, but my mom was the special exception. I and so I would always feel awkward talking to my own family. We would fight about issues within our own family. And oftentimes my mom liked it when I thought about things that were happening, you know, in our immediate family. She would try to get, get me involved in something that only involved my brother and say, it's because of you that he acts like this. And wait, she would say it's because of you that your brother would act this like this. Or what does that mean? Like you sucked well, his brain out in the womb. Or like, I, what the hell does that mean? Like <laughs> she would try to say, find some way. Like it's not going to make sense. Stephen, I'm uh, Stefan. You, you know, that. No, but there's got to be some surface story, even if it's lunatic in its content, <laughs> there's got to be some imaginary bridge across this chasm of weirdness. Right, right, right. There's got to be some, some BS excuse. Yeah. So, so her her logic, if you want to call it that, was he saw me maybe behave slightly like this one time, and he's forever doing it. Oh, so he's aping or mimicking you, so to speak, right? Yeah, even if okay. even if I even if I didn't really fully do whatever it is that he was doing, and in he only saw me the one time. So apparently, you have much more influence on his behavior than his own mother. Okay. I do to a certain degree, but there would be plenty of times and it's where he learned it from somebody else and I would still be the guy to blame. Right. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, she didn't ever say that she could have done things differently or better at any time, any way, any shape or form. I mean, she's hot to all these beta males that are circling her and not to me. I mean, she can't do anything wrong. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, an inability to admit fault is one of the most exhausting personality traits to be around. Yeah. And I'll admit, um, I have admitted to myself when I was unwilling to face my face my own problems and i think one of the best things i've ever done was start to journal and ask myself is this my fault i think that's the best thing anyone can do for themselves. Or you know fault is you know it could i have acted differently is there a way in which i could affect the outcome because yeah listen not taking responsibility is a real wonderful drug in the short term but it just paralyzes you in the long run okay we know all of this so let's yeah. so you, you had an hour and then how long was it between that and the judge's decision three days and you were, I guess, pulled into court, and the judge sat there and said, what? She, well, it was a she, of course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she said, um, okay, so do we want him to have the right to go fishing? Because there's no way he can have a right to own a gun. I'm like, wait, well, hold on. What was that last part? Because I'm like very, very pro-Second Amendment. You know, I'll say this. Um, I really love this country, and when I heard, you can't own a gun, uh, a big explosion the size of Nagasaki combined with uh, Chernobyl happened. Um, but then she, she said, and, uh, we don't want to, my, my mom responded to the question, we don't want him to have a fishing license. Okay, but there's clearly no way we're going to allow him to have his own um, bank account. Is that what you want, uh, Mrs. and Mr. blah, blah, blah? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, oh, your dad was there too down. and he, he was siding with your mom? Oh, my, my mom, my dad is one of those people who just goes along for the ride so he can get out. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, basically I just watched as it was like a rapid fire machine gun of let's take away this from him. And I, and you weren't consulted of course, even though you were a legal adult and your mom didn't want you to have these freedoms and your dad folded. So you kind of got cornered in the, in that sense, you didn't have an advocate. Did you have a lawyer on your side who was going to say, but, 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 <laughs> 
a lawyer on my side. Um, the that's actually unbelievably hilarious. Not not uh, no, I'm not making fun of you. I just mean from my own experience being on the inside. You get what's known as a guardian ad litem, and this is essentially someone who's supposed to advocate for what they they think is in your best interest, and it could be the polar opposite of what you want. Now, I've been told recently in my states that now you also have to have advocacy counsel along with the guardian ad litem, but they're probably going to listen to the guardian ad litem. So nobody is defending your interests, and you're not allowed to speak, I assume, in this particular proceeding. Is that right, or discouraged from it? Well, I could say no, and they don't want that. Okay, so what happens if you say, I don't agree? They usually say, well, why is that? Oh, that's cute. Um, let's just do this anyway. And were you aware that you could sort of push back or at least be on the record of disagreeing? Uh, I, I, I wasn't aware of hardly anything. I had a lot of hindsight, I'll tell you that much. I found, I was like, how is this legal? How is this legal? Internet search. And, but no, at the time, I was really along for the ride. And I, I really wish I could go back to my 18-year-old self, slap him across the face and say, you need to figure out what's going on right now. Yeah, I don't know that slapping would be the right approach because you know, he was just <laughs> trying to survive. Okay, so how long did the, did the decision take in the court? <laughs> that day, three hours. Three hours? That's longer than I thought, I guess. Uh, so three well, hours of them saying, nope, 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 to this, that, and the other, right? Actually, it was more like 15 minutes of them actually saying stuff and then other stuff that I didn't understand, like as in like talk, lawyers talking to the judge you know, in their chambers, um, them setting up the courts. Uh, so I was there for about three hours. It was like 15 minutes when it actually. So like, you know, a, like a football game. OK, got it. Got yeah. It. All right. A lot, a lot of halftime. Um, yes. And so you walked out of there with no bank account, with no. Second Amendment rights. I could I could have a bank account. I had no rights to it any more than I was allowed directly by my mother. She's so it's kind of like a, I don't know if you follow the Britney Spears thing, but I think the singer Britney Spears uh, was I don't follow that her. was uh, she was I think her dad has had control over things for quite anyway. It doesn't if you haven't followed it, it doesn't really matter. But okay, so you walked out of there with very little, right? I walked over there. Over, over, I, I, I walked out of there with the one right of being able to vote. I still think it's hilarious that that's the only thing they didn't take away. Well, I assume that that's because they think you're going to vote Democrat. If you told them you were conservative, <laughs> they probably would have had to garroted there as well. All right. Yeah. So how, I mean, is that a timed thing? Do they say we'll revisit in a year or, or there six months? There is no set time. There is no set time. But they can set that up where they could revisit it at a very set time. They didn't. They said that they could have it where you would never be allowed to or you would be barred from doing it before X, Y, and Z. And then at that time, then you could request it any time afterward. So they said it was temporary, which is unbelievably hilarious to me because it just means it's whenever we feel like doing it. You know, you can come so in. You could, could, you, uh, could you have initiated at some point? A review or, or ask the lawyer to do it or how does that work? Yes, I could. The problem is it's the process of doing it is first off very complicated to even understand how it's done. Most people wouldn't tell me. It was only until I got legal insurance, which I didn't actually buy from buy, buy myself. A friend actually bought it for me. Um, 
and you know they they would ask the questions for me actually where you could get unlimited consultation but no necessary representation um it was only then that i actually found out here's how you do it I think the most painful part about it all was, man, I've looked up to you, Lauren, James Allsup, Stephen Crowder, all these people out here, and I watched the the Paris riots and everything else that's been happening, Antifa, from a computer screen, lying on my bed with no hope of freedom. Huh. And also high schoolers moving on with their lives, getting married. Oh, yeah. Now, that, that feeling of being left behind is very rough. It's, it's almost I, like uh, um, I watched this movie. I think it was called Open Water about people who got accidentally left behind while scuba diving or snorkeling, and, and, and they're watching the the boat go away, and they're stuck there in the open water in the middle of nowhere uh, on the, of the ocean. And, you know, that feeling of, you know, the, the train's leaving the station, the station's closing down, I'm just living among the cobwebs from here to the end of time. Uh, that that's rough, man. That is a yeah. rough, rough feeling, and I yeah. really sympathize with that. I think it's. I think when Lauren left, I think that was kind of the big. Oh, Jesus Christ! I missed everything, <laughs> and now I'm sure that's probably somewhat inaccurate because I'm pretty sure there's plenty of things that are going to happen in the future. But it six years straight, man. It will okay, do so stuff what if, to you. What if, I know you've been watching stuff, uh, and you said you had a low-paying job. Is that right? And um, um, what, uh, yes. what is that? So. Um, I worked at a grocery store for quite a while. Um, I actually was doing pretty well. Um, I worked in the meat departments, and I was making eleven fifty an hour U.S., which I don't know how to convert that into Canadian. But and I don't it's like fourteen, really fourteen fifty, something like that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you know, and that's that's twenty eight, thirty k a year. That's that's not bad for a young guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was training to become a butcher um, because they give it. To, they do free training at the store I was at because it's a large no, listen, chain. If you, of, if you can't own a gun, at least you can have access to a wide array of machetes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, hey, I do have a book called 100 Daily Skills. I mean, I could always figure something out. <laughs> for me, it's eating Indian, but all right. So um, <laughs> so you're working, training for butcherdom, butcher guy, being a butcher. butcher. And how did that go? Butchery. So I'm, butchery, working underneath yeah. butcher. I'm working underneath a butcher. It was hard as hell, but I loved it because it was the good kind of – it's the, it's a kind of I've been lifting weights and I don't know if I can get this last rep, but oh, I need to. And, you know, you, you know you're accomplishing something kind of feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, ran, you and I both know the cross country days. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was nice. It was nice. And they said once I actually become a butcher, they knocked me up two dollars. Right. OK. Plus bonuses. Um, yeah. Once uh, every year. And was, what happened with that? Is, is that still going on? No. And the reason why, it's not actually to do with my mother. It's actually to do with corporate politics. Um, and thank God it wasn't because I misgendered anybody. That, thank God we don't have that policy yet. Um, I just jinxed it, I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> no, no, but, no magical thinking. This is a philosophy show. But go okay, on. okay. <laughs> Um, so what it was is that there was a girl who was 17 and we were just friends. That's all we were. Um, I broke off with my girlfriend at the time and I had known this girl way before we, me and this other girl were dating. So nothing between us. Um, but as you know, 18 is the legal age here in the U S. And so at the end of the conversation, all I did 
was I put my hand on her shoulder before she was about to leave. I say, oh, wait, there was one more thing. And then I said the one more thing. Then some other girl, some other girl that had a bit of an attitude problem said, uh-uh, you shouldn't be touching you know, people on their shoulders. That might make them feel uncomfortable. I looked over to her. I said, did you care? And she's like, no, I don't care. Who cares? Well, guess who reported me to HR? There you go. But the attitude problem. Uh-huh. Bingo. Right dead on the money. And the cops actually were called into the store. Full uniform, um, vest and everything. And they asked questions of the people. They actually took me aside and they took other people aside. And then they watched video footage and they said, okay, there's clearly no crime here. It was just on the shoulder. That's not sexual. Didn't matter. Because now my my reputation that that store was ruined and the closest store that is to me is 30 minutes away by car. And my, I should explain, my car got hit a while back. So I've been using Uber. And yeah, you can't have a career if you got a Uber to work, right? Oh, if it's close by, absolutely. If it's far, no, no, never. The the the, the price when it get, when it gets long distance is insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry about all of that. And how long ago was that? Uh, about actually, it was at the beginning of 2019. Happy okay. New Year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And since then, you've been unemployed, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very so, here. what are your options? to challenge what happened six years ago that you know of? Be honest, dude. The, the the only thing I've ever thought of, and I'm not saying I'm going to do this, the only thing I could ever think of is um, getting a visa and hopping over to Toronto and saying goodbye to the U.S. Honestly. <laughs> ah, okay. And because, there's, because the extradition treaty says they wouldn't extradite me, and I'm not even saying that I'm doing that, just for the record. Oh, and, and okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that, but that would give you some options, right? Some, some. Well, I would have, have an SIN. regular life. Well, well, I have an SIN number, and they wouldn't enforce the guardianship overseas. Well, not overseas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Other country, right? Okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. And plus, I'm not going to Mexico. Mexicans don't even want to be in Mexico. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Right. So north or bust. Okay. okay. Yeah. And is there any chance to to attempt to get the existing ruling overturned or, or retain yes, some I'm of your going rights? For a, yes, I'm going for a hearing, and I recently had a new psyche valve, which I haven't been able to see. Here's one thing that can scare me. The judge might still honor the first psyche valve, and if that's the case and the next one is good, I'll be okay. I won't be in great shape, but I'll be okay. If the next psyche valve is bad... I could be submitted to a, an asylum against my will. And the likelihood that I would leave is not very high. And even worse than that, you, I can immediately call off the request to terminate. And if I call off the request, nothing changes. I don't get more or less free. But you would, I would only be able to find out what the psyche valve is about half an hour before we actually go see the judge. Really? Yeah, so at that moment, I would have to ask myself, oh my God, is this worth it? I do not want to go to a ward. No, that's, yeah, I mean, that's much worse than where you are, which is not great at all, right? Yeah. Wow. When did you have the last psychobal done? Mm, honestly, when I was 18. I, I've only had two. No, but the oh, one... So only, 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 the oh, wait, more that's right, one. the last one. 
Yeah, it's the most okay. recent one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, uh, is, is your mother, um, I mean, does your mother, when you talk to your mother about this stuff, if you do, does she have any sense of like, yeah, you know, this is not great for you. What can we do to to change it? Uh, I mean, if she were to she, testify on your behalf, like, oh, yeah, he, he, he a good boy kind of thing. I mean, would, would that help out? Um, I can, but like, it's kind of like, uh, okay, that's the best way I can explain it. It's kind of like if you're a fat SOB but you start using coconut oil and that's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it does very little, but it does something. So Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But does she uh is she fine with she's the way okay. things are? She's actually okay with me le- leaving, but she's only okay and she said this my, herself because she because I want you the hell out. Because we oh, keep so it's her needs, her frustration rather than what would be better for you. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Honestly, once I get out, man, my big question is, what the hell do I do? I mean, I'm. I definitely need to find a job. I'm gonna try to have that, no matter what. No matter what, I definitely need a source of income. But it feels like I've watched you and all the other people online and all the other people in my uh, from my high school and all the events that have taken place that I've been interested in do the whole um, going away with the boats and while the people are left behind thing. But wouldn't there be, if if you were given permission for independence, mm-hmm. wouldn't there be some resources available to help you achieve that, to, to get you set up, to get you trained, to get you housing, like something like that, right? I've looked into it. It really not only varies by the state, and my state isn't that great for it. Um, it. From what I've seen, it's not only minimal, but depending, but it depends on if you get a full guardianship retracted or if you get a half guardianship retracted. And if you get a full one, they give you very little. It's usually just some um, counseling, some minor counseling with talking to a therapist. Um, if it's half – Half of it's gone and someone else helps you out, but you can move and you can live somewhere else and you can uh, um, pay for some things you want. Like you get a set amount of money that you're allowed to take out of your accounts. Then they give you help because then they think, ooh, he needs help. Hmm. But when but when you're per- perfectly capable, then well, they're like, well, <laughs> enjoy the cold. Yeah, see, look, look, this is why I'm not a professional in this area, as everybody knows, right? So I'm just talking out of my amateur internet butthole right here, but... <laughs> No, this is the re- like if you hadn't told me, oh, I've got all of these this autism and so on. Like I'm having a conversation with you, I wouldn't know there was anything quote wrong with you. That's because you can't see my body. <laughs> what are you contortioning yourself right now? Are you well, are you in a suitcase talking to me? Like what do you mean? More like I wouldn't make eye contact very often. I try to, but I probably forget a lot. Um, and I would oftentimes like if you were if you had a very particular emotion, I can't see your face right now. And when I when I watch this episode, because I'm definitely going to watch it, um, there's going to be a lot of things that I would have to pick up on if we were sitting face to face that I I'm basically I would be just as blind then as I am now. Um, well, yeah, I mean, OK, I mean, I, I grew up and played Dungeons and Dragons with guys who. <laughs> You know, they'll they'll recognize a minotaur before they'll recognize bemused resignation and another human face. <laughs> so for me, I mean, uh, the the quote, the oddballs or the, you know, that, the, again, I'm no professional, but I wouldn't sit there and say, oh, yeah, man, that guy's really got something going on that's 
mostly strange. I mean, we're just having a regular old conversation. So anyway, well, I just sort of thing. wanted to point that out. And sort of people who were listening to this, it's like, so that's what an autistic person sounds like, according to the diagnosis. They'd be like, well, yeah. And, and it's like, well, how is that different? Well, I guess if we don't see you, we don't really know that much, right? Whereas if I was talking to your brother, it'd be a whole different, like that'd be obvious, right? If you was talking to your twin, it's like, yeah, nothing's really going on here as far as conversation goes. But I just sort of wanted to, to point that out. Uh, yeah. That's uh, quite, yeah. uh, it wasn't what I was expecting as far as that goes. Well, I mean, I, I some friends of mine, uh, I, I knew, ooh, this is back in the day, they had uh, a son, or have a son who was autistic and uh, conversationally, you could really tell uh, that, and that's not my experience with this. Uh, I'm just sort of pointing that out, and this doesn't mean anything. I'm just telling you that it would not be if something I, where I'd be like, meh, 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 wow, there's something <laughs> really going on here that's it's unusual or whatever, right? Well, if I may, there's not only a spectrum, so I'm high-functioning. So first off, right, there's right, that. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of Aiden Paladin? No. Oh, she's a she actually um, Coach Red Pill and her well know each other pretty well. I'm pretty sure you know who Coach Red Pill is. I do. Yes, although he made a really bad video called "Autism is a Choice," where he said every form of autism other than the kind where you can where you drool in the corner is not real. I'm I, I was like I can show you evidence, but from science that 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 that's false. That actually made me mad because that's scientifically false. Um, but Aiden Paladin is a PhD, and she's also a female with autism, and she's high functioning as well. And she's if you want to know which, who created the hug machine, is she? <laughs> that would be a different woman. That's, okay, yes, I have read about that. But uh, anyway, go on. Yeah, although uh, you should look up uh, her. That's the uh, Temple Grand is who who you're thinking of. Um, she actually is very interesting herself. Um, but Aiden talked about how you know she's had to ask out every one of the boys she's ever dated. Because, you know, they said, you're cute, but I always thought you were kind of this unlikable B word. <laughs> because because of how little you, you'd actually pay attention to what I was saying. But if you hear her narrate, she speaks perfectly fine. So okay. I guess, yeah. All right. yeah. I, and I just wanted to be clear about that. Okay, so let me give you the philosophical part of the conversation. Sure. Uh, and, and listen, massive sympathies, massive sympathies for everything. I mean, for everything, for the divorce for the spineless dad, for the domineering mother, for hey, the brother, for like, I mean, for I everything. I just, just really want to give you massive sympathy. So that's a, if I, that's if a I hell may. of a lot to carry. It's a hell of a lot to carry. And of course, you deserve none of it. And I'm, I just really yeah. wanted to give you my sympathy for that. Now, as far as what you go in your future. So you know what a catapult is, right? Of course you do, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, engineering guy, right? Well, who I'm, I mean, you probably knew about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? A catapult, right? For those who don't know, it's like this Y-shaped thing. This is like the, the kid catapult. And you put rubber bands on it and you pull something back, this little pouch, and you use it to hurl rocks or whatever at, at tin cans in the woods or something like that. Okay, so listen. You, I believe, are in the state of the full maximum pullback of the catapult. Ooh. No, seriously. Like seriously. Because I'll tell Ooh. you this, man. Let's say that you get to taste freedom, right? Real freedom, right? Let's say this works out. Let's say you find some way so to, to, to do it, right? Like you get so, to taste so real freedom. Not, so basically not Canadian freedom. I'm sorry. I'm going to well, be honest. I, I, you know, however it happens, right? However it yeah. happens, you get to taste real freedom. Maybe this new psych eval is very positive, whatever it is. You get to taste real freedom. You know what will never, ever get old to you? The taste of real freedom. You will enjoy and savor the succulent taste of that freedom for the rest of your natural born days, you will never, ever, ever take it for granted. 
And that is something that is going to give you great joy over the course of your life because so many people take their lives for granted. They take their health for granted. They take their friendships. They take their marriage. They take their children for granted. They take their careers for granted, right? But you will never be in the position where you will take anything for granted. And that is going to give you a propulsion and a joy and an energy and an enthusiasm in life that is going to make you, I believe, kind of unbeatable in a lot of situations. You know, well, like... I'll say... Do you mind if I say this? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, first off, um, although, by the way, about my dad, I wouldn't say spineless. I would just say just indifference. <laughs> he wasn't scared. He just well, You care. said he goes along with people and... Okay, okay. Indifference, fine. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, he goes along with things if he doesn't care. Um, but, yeah, um, but I will say this... Um, I one I uh, remember one time uh, I had the choice of uh, either coming home with my mom um, who was angry at me for I don't remember what the reason was one night but um um and it, I was at a friend's house on the other side of town coming home with her and she it would then take something of mine that gave me a lot of freedom it was some kind of uh, book I think I had that she knew I was using to outsmart her ability to keep me off the internet things like that you know. Like some kind of like tech book. I don't, rem- I don't, I don't even think I have it anymore. Or I could walk home. I walked the whole way home, and I said, "This would always be better." And well, I said, and this is the thing too. If your mother genuinely thought that you had major mental health issues or major functional issues, she wouldn't be fighting with you all the time. That's the bullshit of the whole situation, right? Yeah, but I mean, the point of it was what I was trying to make is that. You, that catapult you were talking about, that feeling of fire in your stomach where you're like, yeah, yeah. nothing will stop you. It was the middle of February with gale force winds. Yep. No, I, I get that. Listen, I mean, so why did I end up with such a big philosophy show? Because I love philosophy more than other people. I love philosophy. I love telling the truth more than other people. And having a certain amount of contempt or indifference to the negative opinions of others is actually essential to the pursuit of truth. So your sort of distance from emotional reading and all of that is not to me at all the end of the world as far as you having the beliefs that you have and needing to go out and fight in the world to to achieve the life that you want and spread the values that you care about. So you will never, ever take freedom for granted. You will never, ever take opportunity and independence for granted. And that is a hell of a foundation to have for a happy life because there's lots of people who have a hundred times the freedom you have who care about it less. And, you know, that that moment you have if you, you know, you almost step on the street and somebody almost hits you in a car and you're like that moment of like, man, that's the best lungful of air I've ever tasted. I don't think you're ever going to taste a lungful of air not in the dank cellar of your mother's house and and not feel like it's the sweetest air. So as far as that goes, you're being set up for a very happy and appreciated appreciated life. And I think it is going to give you a fire in the belly. Look, everybody ends up kind of at the same place in a lot of ways because the people who have unnatural advantages, like they're super good looking or, or very tall or charismatic or they inherit money or whatever it is, right? Those people often, it's like if, if you are, if you've got a, a, a one-mile race and you're, you start at a half-mile, you just run slower, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you start a half-mile back, so it's actually a, a mile-and-a-half race, what do you do? You run faster. So people you- always adapt to their circumstances. So you say, oh, my God, I've lost six years. And listen, that's, I'm not going to brush over that like that ain't no thing. It is a big thing. 
But what that means is you are ready to run. You are warm, you are limber, you are trained, you are eager, you are ready to run. So the ground that you can cover when you become free is going to be blinding relative to the other slugs who who are taking (laughs) their liberties for granted. Yeah, and I'll be willing to do a lot of things that other people won't. I'll yeah. know discomfort, and discomfort will be my friend. While everyone else will be like, ew. <laughs> right. So you will be willing to work hard. You will be willing to work late. You will be willing to outcompete you. So as far as like this feeling, like if you didn't have a feeling of panic about being left behind, I wouldn't be saying this. But you do have that feeling of panic, right? Right. Uh, like I've said this before, I remember very vividly this guy in his 50s calling me saying, you know, well, I'm living in my brother's garage, but I don't want to panic. And I'm like, y- you kind of do, actually. <laughs> panic <laughs> would be a very good thing to occur to you. But you're, you're panicking and you're 24. Now, listen, I'm not trying to say that the, the 18 to 24 thing doesn't matter. It really, really does. 24, you're still a young man. I didn't start my business career till I was 26 or 27. I didn't start this philosophy thing until I was uh, close to 40. Whoa. Right? Grandma Moses didn't start painting so she was 80. Like, so I'm not saying wait till you're 80, obviously, right? But, you know, 24, you're not done, not by a long shot. And there are a lot of people who have changed careers or got the thing going that they're fine. Like, I really didn't find out what I love to do the most until I was not far off from twice your age. Really? Yeah. I love philosophy, but I was close to 40 before I started doing it. And and I think I was 40 or maybe 41 when I started doing it full time. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's a lot of years. That's like 16 years past where you are. That's when I finally hit my groove and figured out what was best for me and best for the world and all that, right? Mm -hmm. So you will... When that gate opens, you will bolt to the point where you will overtake all the people who are just ambling along because they take all of their freedoms for granted. So don't look at what you're doing as a permanent depression in the course of your life. Look at it like you are at the maximum pull of the catapult. And when that gets going, you will burn through the sky, man. Well, I'll say this. Um... I would like you on your own free time to, and anyone listening to look up this one song. This is one song I just discovered just because I was a fan of the show Navy Seals. Although I want to say I'm not a warmonger. I don't believe everywhere we're being sent is a good place. But I'm a huge fan of Is it a song force. by Seal? No, I'm just kidding. Go on. <laughs> How'd you know? No. <laughs> Love's divine. Anyway, go on. But anyway, it's a song um, called Eye of the Storm, and it's by Watt um white all you need to do is really look at the lyrics and you kind of realize that it feels like the perfect song to play once you get that catapult going and what's, you know, what's the band again uh what white um it's actually spelled w-a-t-t yeah um, okay so what white what white however I, white, I mean, i'm sure okay i'm sure depending on if you're from the u.s or canada it'll be different <laughs> um right. But the the song itself, um, if you ever want to feel like an uptick, that it always helps me. But yeah, um, that sounds really really good. And I, you know, I'll say this: I there while my dad wasn't perfect, um, he wasn't great at all. Um, there are things I have learned to learn from him. You can learn from anybody, I think. Um, and I am Catholic, so I so even though you're kind of a cultural Christian who doesn't believe in the deity, 
Um, I actually believe that everything does happen for a reason. And I just didn't know what the reason was here. He didn't go back to school until he was 29 and he went for engineering Hmm. and he is a, um, uh, he has a master's in, um, in mechanical engineering. So if nothing else, there are a lot of people who can start their life later on, but I guess, you know, being in the place that I'm in, it's hard to see the forest through the trees when everything just looks like death, destruction, pain. Ugh. Right, right, right. And being liberated from that is a very powerful you. thing in your life. And look, it doesn't mean that it was good that you've been stuck for six years. It doesn't. But what's the maximum good you can get out of it? Or what's the reason behind that that can make it? What, what's the maximum good you can get out of a negative situation? That's the way you fight negativity and um you you can always be surprised i'm now of the habit of saying i you know there's an old thing about um somebody said uh somebody asked a chinese person like what do you think of this particular political movement that's been going on for 150 years he said it's too soon to tell Hmm. And it's true. Like, so what has it been like for the last six years for you? It's too soon to tell. You got a hell of an education, right? You you read, you thought, you learned, you you um, shook yourself out of the passivity that characterized yourself. You said you want to go smack yourself when you were 18 to get aware and alert to the process. That's never going to happen again, right? Absolutely. And you've I'm trained not... your mind and you have uh, become thirsted enormously for freedom and you are <clears throat> ready to not roll because that sounds very passive ready to propel <coughs> right you are suited up you are jet packed you are ready to to rise and to the fly. maximum good that you can get out of what's happened is to own your life completely to never take your freedoms for granted and to work so hell to work so to work so much to catch up that you vastly take over and then you look back and say it wasn't good but it was worth it yeah i mean i i like to say it like i like to say it like this um um if you got your leg blown off that's just one more reason to to run a marathon <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fair way to put it and that's yeah. the maximum maximum good you can get out of out of bad stuff is the maximum good you can get out of bad stuff yeah yeah and um i'll say this um do you think there are more crazy adventures of the politically incompetence needing to be called out for the politically incompetence to come for, you know, <laughs> uh, for, for, you know, for, cause that's something I'd like to do. It's like, uh, I mean, I've really looked up, I really, I haven't finished your Hong Kong documentary, but doing a documentary myself and making a difference, you know, by stopping bad people, you know, that seems like something I definitely want to do. Uh, it's no reason why you can't, man. I mean, it's no reason why you can't. And, um, you may be more comfortable looking at a camera than a person, right? That's true. Although I do want to learn social skills because it, I, I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning social skills, you know. Right. Being, you no, know, I agree with that. To, I agree with yeah. that. Well, listen, that's most of what I wanted to say. I really, really do appreciate your time today. Will you let me know what happens uh, as as you move forward? I'm I'm certainly very, very curious and, and want to stay abreast of the situation. I'll send you a box of chocolates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like hey i'm free yeah no kidding oh that was a forest yeah. gump reference All right. yeah no keep me posted about what's going in particular what's happening out of the vow that you had done last month 
And I certainly wish you the very best. I get the panic, and I'm not saying don't panic, but don't panic like it's over. Panic like you've got to run, right? You got to you got to go and get your life started, and you'll. I I really think you'll do amazing things, and and you should be very positive and enthusiastic about all of that. Well, I'll say one thing for sure. If I become as well known as you and Lauren Southern and Stephen Crowder and all these other people I've been mentioning, Jared Taylor and everybody. I'll make sure to make a video saying that I was here and this was one of the best things that was ever done for me when it came to my success. I'll make sure you get all the credit you need. Well, I appreciate that, but it's all going to accrue to you. So keep me posted. Thanks again for your uh, your time today and, and have yourself, uh, well, a good next couple of weeks, man. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Thanks, brother. Take care. Bye.